Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. You can find me on Twitter at Todd, that's Todd with one D, T O D, from PA. And tonight, my guest is once again going to be TJ Hernandez of 4 for 4, and we're going to be talking to him about his latest venture and a few other fun things to fill out the time. Um, You can find my podcast on iTunes if you subscribe and do everything everyone else asks you to do on their podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, And then I recently have signed this podcast is now being brought to you by Daily Roto Sharks. Daily Roto Sharks, they've got these sheets for baseball and coming up for football. A lot of people have had success. Go to DailyRotoSharks.com. Check out the success stories and give them a shot. Uh, they're very reasonable for and, and they're really good, young, scrappy guys. So uh, give them a shot. You can also find my podcast on ffcouchcoach.com. And that is the home of Dynasty, free, good free Dynasty League stuff. So if you're looking to do Dynasty League, they've got all the ratings and everything you want. So those are some other places my podcast is held. TJ, you there? What's up, Todd? How are you? I'm good, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the pod again. And I'm excited to find out about your new venture and what else is going on in TJ's life as we head towards week one in the NFL. I know you got to be pretty excited to actually watch, you know, the fruit of your labors come to fruition. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me back. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. We we were talking off the air about, about Chris and I kind of putting out some new work and that stuff we've been working on since February, him and I, and, we we kind of joke that there's this light at the end of the tunnel in week one, and then when the season starts, we finally get a we get a light at the end of the tunnel every single week. So we get that gratification every week. Right now we're just sitting waiting. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I, I think all of us are. And you know, tell us just a little bit about what kind of a grind it is. I mean, you're pretty much just a football guy. And, you know, what's it like when the lights come on and the season starts for T.J. Hernandez? Oh, well, every, every Sunday, I'm not even joking, every Sunday is like Christmas. I'm on the West Coast, and I'm usually up somewhere between 6 and 7 a.m. just getting all my all my stuff in line for my DFS and redraft lineups. But I, it doesn't matter if I got a full night's sleep or if I was out Saturday having a couple of cocktails. I'm jumping out of bed uh, like it's Christmas morning, but... I mean, the, the grind is like anybody, anybody else's that does this full time. Uh, from from Tuesday to Saturday, I'm pretty much in front of my computer for 15, 20 hours a day. But uh, but it's worth it because uh, it's it's fun. This is what we work for all year, so it, it it goes by in a blur. And I don't even think you ever really stop long enough to to get tired. But then once uh once those playoffs start and and it's kind of kind of winds down. We're still doing some fantasy stuff, but not so much. It's uh, you look back and can't believe that that it's over. Yeah, well, you know, you guys have been putting out just some really amazing stuff, and and I I, I always feel like a fanboy on Twitter because I'm always saying how much <laughs> I like the stuff you're doing, but it it really it really sticks out from the crowd for me. Um, and and I don't mind praising good work, but why don't you tell uh, tell us real quickly some of the, the the key things that you and Chris have been laying out there for everyone, and definitely go check out their the 
it, it's the DFS MVP podcast. If you're not following it on Twitter, uh, TJ and Chris Raybon, you absolutely should be. And you definitely should subscribe and give them a nice review because they work their asses off for everyone. Uh, but tell us a little bit, you know, about what you've been doing recently and just kind of the awesome content that you've been putting out there. Yeah, so like I said, this is stuff that Chris and I, we actually started working on in February, just kind of spitballing with each other and trying to figure out what can we talk about that, first of all, that we care about, and second of all, that we haven't really seen before. So that's kind of how we, we came up with this off-season plan. And then uh, what Chris has been doing is what he's been doing for the last couple of years. He's been doing the, the DFS playbook where he just goes through each position and looks at uh, really what stats are most important for fantasy scoring in each position. That's obviously uh, very valuable. And then we we tag-teamed on this definitive guide to stacking uh, for both FanDuel and DraftKings where we basically combed through every single game of the last three years and uh, just kind of tried to figure out what what positions really are correlating with each other, which ones are myths, uh, which ones are, are some that maybe have got swept under the rug because they aren't popular. Uh, kind of on, on a similar note, I've been going through all these GPPs for the past three years and looking for uh, big game profiles for each position, exactly where these big points are coming from, uh, how how these players are scoring these points, uh, just some tendencies that we could look for. Again, kind of just looking for things that we haven't seen before and, and where these points are coming from. So those are the three big series we've been working on. And then, of course, we have the DFS MVP podcast where Chris and I have been going back and forth, uh, running through the positions. We've already talked about quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, just kind of pulling the, the highlights, if you will, from these studies that we've been doing and, and going back and forth and talking about those. So that's a weekly podcast that, that's going now uh, through football season. Yep, and that was the one that I was referencing. And for those out there, what my takeaway as someone who listens, you know, intently is that it kind of gives you a way that you can want to set your lineup. So they're talking about the wide receivers. I haven't finished that pod yet, but I'm about halfway through and they're, and you know, they lay out how, you, you know, you want probably your second wide receiver to be more expensive than your highest paid running back. Um, they talk about tight end and how to get tight ends early in the season. It's the guys who are going to break out that you're looking for. And there's all sorts of useful anecdotes and ways to build your lineup. So go check those podcasts out. I, I guarantee you if, you, if you have half a brain, you're going to have three quarters of a brain by the time you're done with that. But we're, we're mainly here to talk tonight, TJ, about your new um, venture, uh, it's called Roster Coach. What exactly is Roster Coach? Yeah, I mean, if you go on the site right now, I think the, the headline we have on there is pretty self-explanatory. We're a video-based uh, DFS education website. So anything that you can think of that you want to know about DFS, obviously it's football season, so that's the product we'll be launching with now. Uh, we're bringing it to you in video format. So we've seen hundreds, thousands of articles and Chris and I are doing it right now at 4 for 4, talking about what you need to be looking for uh, in fantasy football, mainly in DFS. Uh, this is going to show you how to do it. I mean, there's been so many times, this is how I started out in DFS, reading Jonathan Bale's books, reading 4 for 4 articles, reading uh, Rotoviz, anything I can get my hands on. Uh, but then I, I'm kind of like, then I'm lost. Then it's just kind of information overload. How do I get all this into one um into one database, if you will, or just one piece of, of information that I can consume reasonably. It, it just seems like so much stuff that you have to take in. So we're just really looking for a way to show you basically what what your favorite DFS analyst weekly process is, show you exactly what we're doing day in, day out. Uh, and I think video format's the best way to do that. So I think it's being that it hasn't been done before, I think people are going to be pretty excited about it. Yeah, that that sounds very intriguing and very interesting to me because a lot of times when you read books, beyond what you mentioned about information overload, it's very easy 
to kind of get lost. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, you know, when you read, it, it, it's, it's hard to kind of get it. But if someone's sitting there and they're pointing to their computer and they're taking you through exactly what they're doing, um, I think it's going to be a lot. If that's what you're talking about, that sounds very uh, helpful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just think I just think about how I learn, and uh, not everybody learns the same way. So, so I can sit down and read a three thousand word article, and I take the time and go go back and comb through it. But at the same time, uh, sometimes I like to learn passively. Sometimes I just kind of want to sit back and see what someone's doing. And I think there's a big void in the industry for that type of education right now. So uh, just kind of like I kind of like any other research, if I can't find it, I just figure out a way to do it myself. And I, I do think there's a lot of people that don't want to sit there and, I don't know, read a 100-page book or, or read a 3,000-word article. I love those things, and I think they have a very important place. I just don't think everybody uh, has the time or want to to consume information that way. And, and I think that's a great point. Uh, both points you made, especially about, you know, I, I always I do this thing when I meet people, like, and if they say, I love history. I say, yeah, you hate math, right? And they go, how did you know? (laughs) Or if someone says, I really love math, I go, you don't like history, do you? And they go, how did you know? Because 95% of the time, it's a left brain, right brain thing. And and you either like one or the other. And it's very rare to find someone who likes both. And Right. You know, what you're describing is some people learn better by reading. Some people are going to learn better by video. And you're opening up an opportunity for them that really doesn't exist right now. Yeah, I think I think people will be excited about it. I mean, it's the, it's the age of Netflix and Hulu and streaming TV. So why not do it for fantasy? Absolutely. So how did Roster Coach come about? Uh, I mean, I... For anyone that, that doesn't know me very well or hasn't followed any of my uh, come up through the DFS industry, I come from a poker background. And kind of when when I was very involved in poker, the poker sites were doing a, a very similar uh, model, uh, just video formatting, uh, going on, watching these top players, seeing what they're doing, seeing how they're playing. And in the back of my head, when I got into DFS back in 2012, uh I, I kind of saw right away that there was going to be a a way to bring our DFS content in a similar format. I just wasn't sure how or if it was time yet because it was still so early uh, in in DFS. Uh, so it was really just a matter of, of trying to figure out how to bring this content uh, into a video format because unlike poker, you can't just sit there and and watch someone play a couple thousand hands. Like, I just set my lineups, and then there's not much to watch. Uh, But also just kind of waiting on the time being right, because two years ago, I don't think there was an audience that that cared too much about the education of of DFS, because they didn't realize how seriously you can take it and how people can actually make a living doing this. Uh, So earlier this year, the timing was right. Um, the idea had, had I've, I've worked it out enough to where I was ready to start bringing it, bringing it to uh, fruition. So it's an idea that's been kind of, kind of jumping around in my head for a while. I just uh, finally, finally got all the resources and, and uh, team to put this together. So basically this is your baby. Oh yeah. This is this, like I said, this has been rattling around in my head for a very long time. And, um, I mean, one thing that, that one of the guys uh, I, I learned from most, and I know he's taken it from, from other people, is uh, Jonathan Bales. He always talks about idea sex, and I've known poker and I've known DFS. Uh, that, that's pretty much all I've known for the past few years, and how can I marry the two? So uh, just, just kind of figuring out how to do that, and I think this is how. Yeah, I just downloaded his most recent book, I, I, you know, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm in sales. I work 55, 60 hours a week. I do audio books, and I always kidded with John on Twitter that I can't do his books because I don't have time to read, but I actually <laughs> have broken down, and, and I'm really enjoying it. You know, he's getting into the different kind of psychological profiles, and you can learn a lot about yourself. Some of it will be intuitive, and, you, you know, if you're good at 
fantasy sports, you'll already be doing naturally a lot of it, but it really gives you some great <clears throat> opportunities to learn, and I recommend that book pretty highly as well. Uh, who else is going to be involved in this project with you, TJ? Yeah, so uh, we have quite a few contributors that you probably know if you follow any DFS. We have uh, Anthony Amico, who works for uh, Fantasy Insiders. He's involved with Draft Day Consultants, doing some redraft stuff for them. Uh, we have Chris Rabon, of course, my uh, my partner in crime. He'll be contributing. Uh, we also have Heath Kruger, who comes from Rotoviz. He's a very sharp DFS mind. Uh, Joey Holka, who has done work for Roto World. He works at 4 for 4 in Roto Labs currently. Uh, really, really sharp, up-and-coming DFS mind. If you've been following anything from myself or, or Jonathan Bales or Chris Raybon, you've probably seen something uh, from Joey Holka. And then Renee Miller has also contributed. Uh, she's, of, of course, her expertise and claim to fame is her grasp on cognitive bias and how she relates it to fantasy sports. So she'll be contributing uh, courses and lessons to us. So we have a, a really solid team and a lot of really sharp minds bringing the content. So I'm really excited about that as well. And if it wasn't for these guys, I would this this wouldn't come to fruition. I mean, I basically just gave them my ID and they ran with it. So they're, these guys are phenomenal. I, I can't speak enough about how happy I am to have this team in place. Yeah, it's uh, a, a lot of people I know. I've had Anthony on the show a couple times. Uh, a fellow Jersey boy, even though I'm Todd from PA, I grew up in New Jersey. And, uh, wow, that's, that definitely sounds like an A-team, and it sounds like something that I am definitely going to want to check out. Uh, when do you uh, when do you anticipate it being ready to go live? Uh, launch is early next week. So, you know, anytime you, got, you have a new business, you – yeah, rather over deliver than under deliver. So early next week, um, not not exactly sure what day. I, I think I know, but uh, I don't want to disappoint anybody. But keep for, keep an eye out for early next week. Uh, that should give people plenty of time to to absorb the content. Our goal is to bring uh, bring new content every single day throughout the entire NFL season. So no matter when people sign up. Uh, there's going to be a lot to absorb for, for new players, for, for people that have played a little bit, or even for very experienced players. So uh, next week and then throughout football season, we'll be, we'll be having new content daily. You know, uh, a little bit of a quick diversion. You and Chris seem, you know, almost like an old married couple. Uh, how did you two <laughs> yeah. meet? And, and uh, you know, I, I, like it, it just keeps rattling around in my head when Harry met Sally, even though obviously you're, neither one of you would be the Sally. Um, tell us a little bit. I think our audience would get a kick out of hearing how you and Chris met, and did you guys kind of have this this awesome synergy right from the start? Yeah, there, there's a handful of guys that kind of kind of that love at first sight, but we never met in person uh you know, right away. So it was love at first Twitter site, but uh, Chris and I came up uh, writing fantasy sports right around the same time. Uh, he started writing, he was writing for number fire and I was writing for at the time, a site called fantasy bums, which ended up merging with fantasy insiders. Uh, so we actually kind of, I, I kind of already mentioned Bales already. We had been going back and forth on some of Bales stuff. I, I think it was just over Twitter uh, and we ended up just kind of sliding in each other's DMs, if you will, and kind of and always talk back and forth about just football in general, DFS, and we both realized very quickly that we thought about, talked about, wrote about football uh, very same way. Jump ahead a, a couple years, and Chris gets hired on, coincidentally, to take over for Jonathan Bales as, as a senior DFS editor at 444. Uh, Chris almost single-handedly turned what 444's DFS plan is now uh, pretty much on his own. And luckily for me, liked me enough to, to at least give Josh Moore the, the idea to bring me on staff. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and the, the MVP DFS pod, how many years have you guys been doing that now? Uh, last year was the first year, so this is year two. Uh, we started in the preseason of last year, and we we reconvened uh, about three weeks ago. So season two, hopefully season two of many more, uh, but it's a really fun podcast. Again, it's just 
it's just an idea that Chris and I had. We were writing and we wanted to talk. And um, luckily we, we found a little niche by not just giving lineup advice, but we try to do uh, – we talk about the game pretty deeply just between each other uh, and chat on the phone in person whenever we get a chance to see each other. So we wanted to – to bring that to the people that, that are reading our work already. So we not only give lineup advice, but we do a weekly theory where we just kind of get into a, a topic of the week and break it down and try to teach you how to build DFS lineups, not exactly who to put in the DFS lineups. Well, and, and I'll put my fanboy back hat back on. Um, that That's what I love about your podcast. Um, it's not just here's my picks for the week, but – Here's my picks for the week, and here's how you can be a better DFS player yourself. Now go and fish yourself. So, yeah, um, exactly. the, uh, and and, the and you also, Chris, benefit, right? absolutely. That's uh, that's like a a deep uh, philosophical belief of mine, and and that's one of the reasons why I appreciate what you guys do. So, uh, you also share with Chris another. Uh, mutual interest and that seems to be old school rap it it kind of become a, a big part of your podcast uh why don't you tell us how that started and uh, a little bit about that subject because i think people would be interested yeah i mean uh chris and i are about the same age i'm 30 i think chris turns 29 this month uh don't quote me on that i'm really bad with birthdays but uh when when we started the podcast uh, anyone that follows 4 for 4 knows that John Paulson and Anthony Stalter have their uh, 4 for 4 most accurate podcast where they they cover redraft uh, pretty much in the same same way that, that Chris and I cover DFS, just in a very uh, very thoughtful, teaching you how to, to make lineups type of way. Uh, but they started doing it, I want to say in 2014, they started bringing in their podcast with music, so... Uh, because we're both on on the the four for four network, if you will, we thought, hey, if if they're doing music, we gotta do music. But let's give it our own flavor. So, uh, growing up in the '90s, we figured old school hip hop would, would be perfect for us. Uh, I think a lot of people, it's, it's nostalgic for a lot of people in our demographic that are listening to what we're putting out there. Uh, and then I'm from California, Chris is New York, so we got the perfect yin and yang to it as well. So it, it's all yeah, just, you it's bet, all just you, out of you, fun. You, you you buried the East Coast West Coast beef. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, so we we brought Biggie <laughs> and Pac together. That's cool. So, um, any uh, other key things that you think your fans should know about roster coach? Yeah, I mean, outside of the uh, the the video education, which I mentioned, is going to include a lot of timeless content where any type of research or, or how to at a position or Vegas lines or tracking your bankroll. Uh, we're also going to be bringing weekly content throughout throughout the year. And, again, it's unlike a lot of other places where they're, they're showing you who you can put in your lineup. We're going to show you how you can be building these lineups. So uh, things like um, like lineup builders where we're, we're filling out lineups and giving you our thought process, um, doing weekly reviews of our personal bankrolls, doing weekly reviews, of cash and GPP lineups, going through the game selection process with you each week. And then on top of all that, um, another thing that I think is, is, is a little bit of a void right now, and I mentioned how a lot of times people don't have time to sit down and read 3,000-word uh, articles. Well, maybe there's going to be people out there that don't have time to sit back and watch 20 hours of video content. Uh, so we will be offering one-on-one -on -one DFS coaching, and, and that will be coming uh, not with launch next week, but a little bit closer uh, to the season. Obviously, people are probably going to want to want that service a little bit closer since it is DFS and it's a weekly game. Um, as we get closer to week one, we'll be rolling that out. So that's another thing that, that we're excited about, and I think a lot of other people will be very excited about because uh, we've seen a little bit, a little bit with redraft. I know Draft Day Consultants does a fantastic job of, of doing one-on-one -on -one consulting for redraft, but there's a little bit of a void there for DFS. Uh, there's obviously a lot of money to be made and, and to, kind of, uh, to kind of expedite that process and, and get your favorite fantasy, fantasy analyst one-on-one -on -one for a little bit of time I think is going to be very valuable for, for people out there that are, are learning the game or, or just want to expedite the learning process. 
Well, <clears throat> that is news. That's a scoop. I didn't realize that. I'm glad I asked that last question. I, I think that's kind of revolutionary. And I, I think that, first of all, my first thought is, where do I sign up? You know, where do I get the Chris rate? You know, I, I need to know, like, what's the difference in, in Chris's rates versus your rates versus someone else's? Because that's going to be interesting. But I do yeah, think it gives – I, I do think that it's going to be uh, – and I wasn't asking for any uh, – I'm just – I was kind of kidding. But oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, sure. the, the interesting thing to me about that is – you know, for me, I've always done much better in one-on-one. Like a lot of times if you throw a, a spreadsheet at me, it's not my strength. And I'm, it's like I, I end up not getting much out of it because I, I, I need someone to kind of take me through it. And right. I think that a lot of people are going to really enjoy that. I think that is a wonderful idea. And I also think that um, I lost my train of thought a little bit. But I, I, I do think that it's something that will be good for both sides because yes. let's say you're a football guy and, uh, you know, writing in, you know, my, you know, February, March, April, there might not be a lot of DFS content to write about. And uh, it gives you guys a chance to pick up a few bucks, too. And uh, I, I think it's a great thing. Well, the way I think about it is the the content we're going to be offering, like I mentioned, it's going to be it's going to be very educational, um, and I think that uh, the the content that we will be offering it'll it'll be very similar to to sitting in a classroom, sitting in a lecture, and and getting um, you know getting that that uh, that college experience, but at your computer. But then you could think about the the coaching kind of as the office hours, where you get that one on one time and a little bit of clarity. So. I think that's kind of how how I look at it. And, and I'll take that one step further. You know, I went to the DFS Players Conference in New York last November, and I always tell people ask me how did I like it, and I say so many things in life don't live up to the hype, where mm-hmm. you know you really look forward to something, you really look forward to something, and there's this huge sense of letdown when it's over. I walked away from that DFS conference really just so happy with the experience. Everyone was so nice. You know, I got to meet people from JM to win, uh, Lou Croy, I think that's his name. So many guys yep. were there. Dan Bach was there. You know, guys who were really, really good at DFS, and they were all so friendly. I met Adam Levitan. Evan Silva was there. He was gracious, as you, as you can imagine if you follow him on Twitter. And then I did the fantasy boot camp up in Boston. So I do think there's an appetite for that, TJ. Yeah, boot camp's a great example. And um, my buddy Al Zeidenfeld, he was he was running boot camps, and uh, unfortunately they they had to uh, they stopped that operation recently. But I've been to boot camp both as a camper and as a speaker. And, and when I found out about boot camp by uh, going under, I reached out to Al and told him that. Uh, from both sides of it, that that experience you can't pay for. That that one-on-one time is is more valuable probably than uh, than any DFS subscription I've ever ever paid for. So I think you nailed it on the head. Getting getting that one-on-one, getting that face-to-face, and um and, and really just getting to to pick someone's brain. I mean, that's stuff that that goes way beyond that interaction. That's stuff that you you kind of keep in the back of your mind and go back to sometimes for a lifetime. So I think there is definitely a lot of value there. Yep. Uh, I think you're on to something, TJ, and that's going to be rostercoach.com. Follow TJ Hernandez on Twitter. You'll know you got the right guy when you see Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not following him on Twitter and you're listening to me, I think you're doing it wrong. But, um, it, you know, if, 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 if you're not and somehow you like me and – um, I've learned a tremendous amount from following TJ. So, you know, I, 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 I like to, uh, you know, I, I compare it to I like to follow you guys around on Twitter and just pick up the breadcrumbs that you drop. So, um, <laughs> you know, definitely rostercoach.com. Very excited about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and thinking you're going to have a success with this. So why don't we talk a little bit about one or two other things? We got a little bit more time. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. One thing you mentioned in your podcast that I don't hear too much about, but
But something I'm pretty manic about on my end is exposure. And I'm going to explain mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Um, last year was my first year in MFL 10s, and I was killing it. You know, I was winning 19% of my leagues. I was in second place in 19% of my leagues through about six weeks. And then the running back apocalypse hit, and I just met, you know, I, I fell a little short. I fell into the red a little bit. And I look, you know, I was into the exposure aspect of it as it relates to uh, Rotoviz and their great best ball app. If you uh, don't have that, you play best ball, you should. Um, but this year, even more, I've been really focused on. You know, no matter how much I like a guy, if he's a first or second rounder, I don't want more than 20%. You know, mid-round guys, 25 and And really, unless it's someone really, really late, because of the injuries in football, uh, I want to mitigate my risk and hope that I can win by picking the best players overall. Uh, you mentioned something similar as it relates to daily fantasy. Any thoughts on it, on exposure first of what I just mentioned as it relates to best ball, and then kind of you know pivot and talk about what you did on your pod as it relates to exposure? Because I don't think a lot of people understand what you what you laid out on, on that in your podcast. Sure. So best ball leagues uh, in terms of exposure is a pretty tricky one for me. Uh, uh, just because um, you're dealing with a, a season-long game, we're supposed to DFS. We're just looking at weekly, and you could you could kind of switch it up. So uh, basically, what that means is when you have exposure to players for the entire season, uh, you're going to have to be a little more risk averse because if you're overweight or you own too much of a player, uh, if that player goes down, uh, you're really looking at at a real a lot of downside for that season. Whereas in DFS, uh, even if you are very uh, high on a player, overexposed to a player. If he gets hurt, he's only going to ruin one week for you. Um, also, another thing is, and, and I talk about this with anybody that asks me any question about anything that has to do with fantasy, uh, the first thing that comes out of my mouth usually is, is what what are your goals? Uh, and the second question is how much are you playing? So with a game like best ball, uh, if your goal is just to have a good time, uh, and, and you're not playing a ton of volume or you're not really worried about grinding out a 20% return, uh, then, yeah, go for it. If if you just are all in on Marcus Mariota and you want to have 75% exposure to him in best ball leagues, fine, but you got to go into that knowing that, that that's not an optimal strategy. Whereas if you're somebody that's playing hundreds of leagues and you're really looking to grind out that return, um, you really have to, to pay attention and decide – where am I willing to take my risks and where am I going to, um, where am I going to play it a little more safe? And you really have to get into the numbers and study that. And I don't think that's too far off from DFS. Um, again, DFS is, is a weekly game. So uh, this is where, especially, I mean, in, in cash games, it doesn't matter so much. Again, it depends how much you're, you're playing and how many lineups you're playing and whatnot, but it's more of a, a discussion for GPPs or big tournaments and what you're really trying to do is gauge how uh, how the public is going to to react to to players, and this is where the big difference comes from best ball leagues, where you're not really you're not really so much trying to uh, trying to gauge the ownership of of other uh, owners as much as you are just trying to kind of manage your your best ball portfolio. Whereas in in DFS, you have a a very big monetary interest from week to week to find out who these low-owned players, who these high-owned players are going to be. And sometimes that leads to making uh, some very interesting decisions, decisions that if you come from a redraft background might feel suboptimal because you're taking a player that uh, is, is maybe projected for a, for a few less points. Uh, but if his ownership is way below what it should be, you, you might want to favor that guy over um, over the, the higher-owned guy that's projected for more points. And, and none of that's even considering salary. So there's there's layers on top of layers to the exposure uh, puzzle in DFS. Yep, and uh, I think that's an episode all in itself. But I wanted to just also mention what TJ laid out in the podcast. And it's something I've heard. You mentioned Al Zeidenfeld a while ago. Uh, that I hear Al talk about a lot on podcasts. And it's Al thinks in ways of 
you know, let's say he's expecting a guy to be 30% owned. He mm-hmm. immediately thinks, do I want to be underweight on the guy, even weight on the guy, or overweight on the guy? And that was the point that I wanted you to kind of uh, build on a little bit, simply because you mentioned the exact same thing on your podcast and just why that would be so important. Yeah, and, and like I, I kind of already mentioned now with boot camping, uh, I like that you brought that up because that just highlights um, how how much – I really wait way too long on things because I'll I'll have these ideas and then wait for someone else to confirm it and then they write it down. Uh, I'm like, oh man, they they articulate it way better than I did. Now I can talk about it. So Al's done a really good job of of articulating this idea. But uh, the basic concept on on exposure is, and I think this is a lot of times where people get lost in DFS, where um, say whether you're high or low on a player. Um, let's just say it's it's a wide receiver, Julio Jones, and, and you think that that he should be, let's say, 15% owned, um, but then he ends up being 30% owned. And then a lot of times you'll hear, should you fade him because he is he's owned, he has such a high ownership uh, percentage that, that week. And where a lot of people get lost is if you fade him, that means you have zero shares of him, and that's really – the wrong way to be doing it just to make it a very simple example let's say you're playing 10 tournament lineups and for most people if you are playing uh dfs tournaments you should be playing multiple lineups at lower buy-in levels uh let's say you're playing you're playing 10 lineups and julio we think he's going to be about 30 percent owned uh if you want to be right there with the field uh, you're just you're, you're, you think the the projections where it should be, you think his price is where it should be, and you think uh, the percent chance that he goes off is where it should be, then you're going to own him in, in three of your ten lineups. If you uh, if you don't agree with the public, but you still want some exposure to him, or you want to fade him, but but obviously if he's owned at 30 percent, uh, there's something there. He, he's a good value to someone. Uh, maybe you only have him in one of your ten lineups, and then. Say you just love him and you think uh, you think he's a lock for whatever reason. Maybe you're going to own him in in five or even six of your lineups for a 60% ownership percentage in your portfolio. So you're not necessarily diversifying every single lineup, but you're really diversifying your portfolio against what the the overall field's portfolio should look like because uh, they have Julio in, in 30% of of their portfolio, whereas you might have him in 10%, sometimes 50%. Yeah, and that ties into kind of what I was saying with best ball is, you know, you you, you know, if, if you're playing a best ball, basically, you know, you're looking for a 10% return because if you put $1000 out there, you need that 10% to break even. So, the other thing is 12 goes into 100 eight and a half times. So, if you have eight and a half percent ownership on a guy in best ball, basically all you have is an average, you're, you're, you're even weight on a guy. And right. some people say, well, 15%, that's not a lot. No, it might not be a lot, but if you're grinding out a, over a hundred of them, like I am, and I really like the guy, a 15% stake is, is a pretty good, it's pretty almost double what average would be. So that's yeah. one thought I wanted to get out to people. And the other one that you articulated very well is the average guy, when he hears a podcast and, 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 and Peter Jennings, who everyone respects, brilliant guy at this, or Bale, someone like that says, oh, I'm fading him that week. They immediately say, well, I don't want him in any of my lineups. But right. if, he, if, if, if that guy's Antonio Brown – and, you know, you're playing 10 lineups and you have zero and he goes for 50 points, you're not going to win any money that week. You know, so you might want to consider taking a 10%. And 10% on a guy like Antonio Brown, if he's going to be 35% off, could be considered fading him. And I think that was the key point that you were trying to make. Exactly. And, I mean, like I said, the you have to – there's so many things to take into consideration. Like if uh, – if the CSU Rams say, says he's fading Antonio Brown, um, I mean, CSU Rams probably playing thousands of lineups that week. So, you know, maybe have him in a hundred lineups. Um, 
maybe you'll have him in zero, but then you have to consider the fact that CSU Rams playing a lot of very different games. He might be playing strictly $3,000 high stakes qualifiers with only 18 players. So it might make a lot of sense for him to fade him in an 18 man field. Whereas uh, someone playing in a $1 field with uh, 40,000 people, that's pretty foolish to have no exposure to him. So you have to take all those things into consideration. All right. Well, that, that is uh, I think a pretty good recap on exposure. We're heading towards week one, TJ. I know that you have uh, talked some redraft and things of that nature, but, you know, give me one NFL team that you think is going to exceed expectations and one NFL team that you think is going to underperform expectations. We talking win-loss or from a fantasy perspective? From a fantasy perspective. Well, I guess guess one goes with the other, but uh, to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, the, the yeah. One, the one that really stands out to me, and I think this has, this just kind of shows how much recency bias is is in fantasy football, whether we're talking redraft or DFS. And um, I mean, that's the Dallas Cowboys. This is a team that, when their offense is healthy, they they have one of the best offenses in the league, one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've seen in history, uh, maybe the best touchdown score we've ever seen in history. We've seen how good. They can be in the running game. Uh, they're, they're a team that it's a little cliche, but they're going to control the ball and, and play at a pretty slow pace, but they can score with any other team in the league. And um, as much as it's so easy, like it's, if you explain to people that they lost all their, their main weapons last year and that's why they were bad, it's anyone would nod their head and say, yeah, but then you, uh, you look at drafts, you look at ADPs, um, you look at how people are betting, betting future uh, win totals, and, and people just don't believe in the Cowboys. And this is a team that uh, I'm buying a bunch of Dez and redraft uh, early on in DFS. So I'll probably have uh, quite a few Dallas shares. Um, this is a team that I really like a lot. Well, you know, before we get to the one you don't like, I want to kind of comment on that because I've pretty much faded um, the Cowboys in best ball because of the injury risk and mm-hmm. everything that you just said, I'm cognizant of, but I just did, you know, again, the problem with best ball is there's no waivers. And most of the time I only, ha- I only keep two quarterbacks. So if I'm really worried about injuries, I don't want to take that risk on, on too many Tony Romo shares. And I'm definitely underweight on, well, I guess lately I've been buying a little more. I might even be up to that 8.5% on Dez now. Um, But I have no qualms about playing them week one against my Giants with one of the worst defense. I don't care that they went out and signed a couple guys. I still don't think they're a great defense. And Tony Romo's 6,800, I think he's totally in play week one. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, uh, is that his? I don't have the prices in front of me. Is that Fanduel or DraftKings salary? That's the that's DraftKings. DraftKings, draft yeah. And he's behind. Uh, yeah. He's behind Tyrod Taylor, Philip Rivers, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, I just brought it up. Yeah, he's priced down as the fifteenth quarterback on the board. Uh, that's a game where Dallas is is at home, uh, favored by three and a half. It's going to be high scoring. Should be pretty close. And like I mentioned before. Romo's one of the most efficient touchdown scorers in history at quarterback, and Dez is probably the best red zone receiver we've ever seen. Uh, so, and I mean, how, what else do you want in, in a game? And given that price, I, I think that because the game total is very high and, and people do know that Dez and, and uh, Odell can kind of light up the scoreboard, I think there'll be a little bit of bump in ownership percentage. But like I said, I think there's still going to be a lot of recency bias with that Cowboys team. And, and I think uh, they're probably going to be, even if they're, there's a little bit of interest, they'll probably be lower owned than they, they should be given all the factors. Yeah. And again, that's the difference, the key difference between a DFS position and a redraft position where you're only buying someone for a week. So if you're worried that Tony Romo is not going to stay healthy all year, that shouldn't affect the way you look at daily fantasy sports. So what is the team that you think is likely to regress 
I know that's a big word for you and Chris. What 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 offensive players, offensive team do you think is most likely to regress this year? Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about offense, I think the one that stands out the most is the Panthers. I mean, they went 15 and one. They were in fantastic game scripts. Uh, I, I think they everything just kind of broke perfectly for them. They were scoring at ridiculous rates on offense. All the while, uh, not moving the ball extremely well. They ranked so outside the top 15 in, in yards per drive, but still led the league in quarterback scoring. Of course, we know what Cam did last year, but um, his touchdown rate was through the roof, both uh, overall and inside the red zone. Uh, it, that offense uh, was concentrated two years ago with Kelvin Benjamin, and uh, last year was spread out a little bit. This year it's going to be spread out even more. Uh, so the ancillary pieces are question marks, and Cam is due for some major regression himself, and I think the team itself will probably end up uh, losing a couple more games, and as much as uh, we like to think that leads to more passing situations, we want quarterbacks in really good, winning, efficient situations. I think they'll have a few less of those this year. Even if they only drop down to 11 or 12 wins, uh, that's a really uh, far cry from 15. Yep. I agree. That would be my choice as well. Uh, I faded Cam this year as, you know, I'm I'm not taking too many early quarterbacks to begin with. And if I am taking an early quarterback, it's been Rodgers when he falls late sixth or Andrew Luck or Wilson you can get in the seventh round. And I've, I've picked up my shares that way. Uh, still minor shares, but, um, I, you know, when I see those guys in the seventh round, it's just kind of hard to pass up. But I yeah. think one of there's two other points about Cam Newton that I'll add to the ones that you gave. Um, last year he wasn't dinged up at all. The previous right. two years he had been dinged up. He runs a lot. He gets dinged, and some people play almost as well when they're dinged. Cam is a good time guy, and that goes both when it comes to injuries and also he doesn't handle adversity as well as some other people. So I, I agree with you, and I, I think both those factors could add to, to kind of what you were talking about. I mean, the thing that worries me about Cam is that as, uh, as efficient as he was as a scorer, it just – I mentioned the team wasn't moving the ball up and down the field as well as you would expect for a team that scored that many points, and he's still wildly inaccurate. And um, we know that's obviously very important for a quarterback. I, he he – as great as he was in the statistical column last year, he didn't show anything that suggested that he had a huge jump in terms of uh, throwing the ball accurately. So that worries me a lot. And uh, you mentioned that he stayed healthy. So that's obviously very lucky for a guy like him. And as far as a, a redraft perspective, it's, it's not that I don't think that Cam has uh, QB1 in his range of outcomes. I think he does. I think it's he can easily finish the QB1, but – uh, people are paying a price for him like he's going to blow away the field like he did last year, and that's just not reasonable to expect. Yep, I agree. And uh, you brought up a good point. He was under 60% as a, a completion percentage in a league where the other top quarterbacks, even a Russell Wilson, you know, you're looking at 65-plus for all the elite guys. So everything, you know, you talk about regression a lot on your pod and how everything can go right in a short sample size in the NFL. Well, everything went right for Cam last year. It could happen again, but I wouldn't bet on it. Right. So um, week one DFS, we'll finish up with one more question, and that is, you know, we all love contrarian thought if you're going to be a GPP guy. Why don't you give me one or two kind of sneaky stacks and I'll throw one or two ideas that I've had for sneaky stacks out there and get your thoughts. Sure. One that really stands out to me, and I think this is going to be because the spread is so big and the over-under is so low, uh, but really the what we're looking for, all the, uh, all the, the boxes are checked off. Um, that's the Seattle versus Miami. Seattle's at home, favored by 10.5. Uh, but the over-under is only 44, so I think that's going to scare some people away. Uh, but 
the, the, the Seahawks have the second highest implied total uh, as it stands right now at 27.25. Uh, so a lot of people are going to be looking at Indy because they have the highest point total in a game with a very high over-under. And then we have a couple other shootouts, Dallas and New York and New Orleans and Oakland. And uh, my my early senses expect those games to have a very high ownership percentage. And I think that'll cause the Seahawks uh, offense to fly a little bit under the radar. So I still think even though they finished hot, that, that uh, Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin stack will be a little under owned just because Tyler Lockett is coming on. Jimmy Graham is coming back. So they think the ball will be spread around, but then uh, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of questions around their running backs. And uh, with that, with that supposed committee situation, one thing Chris and I have talked about a lot this year is a, a running back wide receiver quarterback stack. And uh, if Thomas Rawls is active, I think you can roll out Wilson, Doug Baldwin, uh, Thomas Rawls, and then any other year, they'd probably be the highest guys in week one because of how they finished last year. And I think they could end up uh, being one of the lowest on stacks. Yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, uh, when you hear my stacks, you'll know that I was uh, listening to that podcast also. Uh, I do want to throw out one one other name in that um, game, you know, that I think is going to be way under-owned uh, based on the perception of the Seattle defense, and that's Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Most people are going to think, oh, the Dolphins are awful, they're on the road. You know, your whole point on the, the wide receiver was that just because a wide receiver on the road is on the road, not only is it not an automatic fade, but it could be a nice opportunity. Jarvis Landry, to me, is one of my favorite targets in week one because he he is just so steady, and if he does get one touchdown, I mean, he can put up 30, 35 points, and the way to attack the Seahawks is through the slot guy, and that's Tannehill's boy. So what what do you think about that one? Yeah, I like that. Um, you, you mentioned the podcast. Chris and I actually just talked about how if there's one uh, position where team totals, Vegas lines, implied totals uh, don't matter, it's wide receiver, and a lot of that has to do with how wide receivers score points compared to the other positions, especially on drafting. So even if uh, Miami's getting blown out and Tannehill's in a horrible situation to score points, a lot of people will automatically equate that to their wide receivers but if you think about the way garbage time works uh say say that that the dolphins do drive down in garbage time down by 20 points and they end up scoring a garbage time touchdown well um if if six if there's 60 yards on on that drive through the air um uh tannahill is only going to get uh two and a half points but if if 50 of those yards on five or six catches go to Landry, well, all of a sudden he just got 11 points in garbage time to two and a half for Tannehill. If he gets, you know, six catches or 50 yards, and then if he's lucky enough to get one of those touchdowns, well, all of a sudden we have a 20-point drive, not to mention what he's done beforehand. So uh, wide receivers are fine in garbage time. Quarterback, not so much. Yep, and so now, and, and I agree, uh, I think I think Landry's going to be a lot lower owned than he probably should be. Guy, uh, all right, my two stacks, and again, I was listening to your pod. These are both um, three-man stacks that include the RB1 along with the wide receiver one, and I think both of them are going to be a little under-owned. I'm a little nervous about the ownership of that New Orleans-Oakland game. I think Mm -hmm. that I'm definitely looking to be underweight on those. Um, And I look at Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Devonta Freeman at home against Tampa, who's not the best defense in the world. That's a stack that I'm definitely going to have a couple lineups in. And then if you really, really want to go nuts, and this is something that I just got from Bale's new book. He said, you know, if the chance of this stack going off is really, really low, that's okay because when you look at the numbers, it's 1%, 1.25%, even for the best stacks, too. Um, and, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. And I mm-hmm. think that the chances of this happening are really low, but Cleveland could be really bad. And if you look at Bradford with either um, 
Jordan Matthews or Ertz, and uh, you, you tie in uh, the running back Matthews, that's uh, I'm going to have one or two of those uh, of that combination, and and that's going to be my lottery ticket of the week because it's going to be just infinitesimally small owned. Thoughts on those two stacks? Yeah, I mean that that Atlanta stack. I think that's a game that I'm the one exposure to all around. Um, I think probably a lot of people will be on Julio, especially on DraftKings, just because people do tend to gravitate to those top top price wide receivers, the top two or three price. Uh, that seems a little counterintuitive, but if you just think about how a casual player plays, he opens the lobby, sees the popular names at top. Uh, those guys are probably going to get a few more clicks than uh, a guy that's five or six spots uh, further down. Um, but on, on the other end of that, Mike Evans is one of my biggest touchdown regression candidates. So Chris and I talked about the synergy between uh, one passing offense and the other passing offense in a high-scoring game. Uh, neither of those teams are very good uh, on defense, and I think we could see – that we could see one of the, the sneakier shootouts while everybody's focusing on Dallas, New York, and, and Oakland, New Orleans. Uh, that could be a game to target as well. So I really like that call. The Philadelphia game, I've been on Ryan Matthews since pricing came out. Uh, I haven't thought about the entire stack too much, but I do get what you're saying. Um, if you take the names off the jerseys, it would probably look really good. The interesting thing to note about uh, ownership and GPPs going into week one I'm pretty sure this is unique to 2016. I don't think this has happened before. I don't know if they're just waiting, but as it stands now, there are no Thursday games posted on either site. Uh, and what that means is what the way that I rely on ownership percentage, or at least one of the major ways I do, is I, I play a couple very cheap Thursday contests to see where the field's going on um, on players that I might be interested in. Uh, we're not going to have that luxury going into week one, so it's going to be um, we're all we're all going in blind. So that could work to your advantage if you if you do your homework and look at some past trends. Yeah, that's that's another fantastic point. Uh, going back to my Ryan Julio, um, obviously Julio is going to have high ownership. There's no way around that. But uh, part of your research in the pod was you know it's okay to have one chalky top wide receiver in the stack and the way that I would be kind of separating myself is by having Ryan who I think a lot of people will play Julio without Ryan to begin with and then you add Freeman in that three-man stack and it's very possible that if they score 40 points that those three guys are the guys who get a lot of it um, I did put, uh, I made like five or six of those so far. One of them I put Sanu in for Julio, and in most of them I had either Charles Sims or Mike Evans for that exact purpose that you talked about. If one team's doing well, it leads to points. It's always good. That was one of your podcasts from last year about that Chris had about putting someone on the other team. So. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that you added to that. I think we're both really excited about week one, and I really thank you very much that you went through a lot of this with me, TJ, and I want to wish you the best for your new venture. And anything you want to say or uh, give your information out one more time before I close? Well, I I really appreciate you having me back on and giving me the chance to – to build up roster coach. So obviously thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm as excited as anybody you'll ever find. I mean, ask anybody about my demeanor, uh, every, all 300 and, and whatever, 50 days of the year, and then ask them about me those 16 Sundays I wake up in the morning, uh, during football season and you wouldn't think you see the same person. So I'm pumped. Uh, if you're, if you're looking for anything we talked about, you can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, all of my writing is at 444.com, and also Chris and I have our DFS MVP podcast. And then check out Roster Coach on Twitter at Roster Coach or RosterCoach.com. Uh, we're taking signups right now just to get you all the information as quickly as possible, and then we will be launching early next week. Uh, and I think, again, I think people are going to be really excited about this. I think we're going to be bringing a lot of very unique content that hasn't been seen before. And then uh, if you feel so inclined, anybody that is – is putting out content on roster coach will be available for uh one-on-one coaching so 
really exciting stuff going on in, in 2016 NFL. So thanks, Todd. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, TJ. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to lead everyone out, not with a rap song, but TJ is living his fantasy. I'm trying to live mine. From 1980-something, Aldo Nova, life is just a fantasy. Can you live your fantasy life? Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah.